Hi, everyone. This is Jordan with the Space Social Podcast, as always. And today I am joined by Megan Bosworth. Hi, Megan. Hey, Jordan. So glad to be here. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. Yeah, so, no, thanks for having me. Of course. So Megan is a registered dietitian who helps people heal their relationship with food and their bodies. She provides one-on-one nutrition therapy for clients in, the, in her Las Vegas office, as well as offering courses and resources for clients worldwide. In her free time, she advocates for fellow military spouses by volunteering with Hiring Our Heroes Military Spouse Professional Network here in Nevada. That is amazing. I didn't know that you did that sort of volunteer work before we talked about this. Yeah, no, thank you. Um, I got very lucky when we were stationed that someone was starting a network there and they wanted to bring me on and I've been involved ever since. And it's been such a fun and eye-opening experience to yes. connect with <laughs> other military spouses who are trying to grow in their it's a really yeah. awesome group I'm glad to be a part of it yeah I'm so glad that you I I think that's so cool so part of the reason I wanted to bring Megan on first off she's one of my group coaching clients who I literally adore seriously I really do Aww. um <laughs> and then you. also Megan and I met through a military Facebook page which I never post on I don't even know if I'm part of it anymore but that's how we met yes yeah yeah, I feel like it's, I don't know. I have a lot of, I'm not, my husband's not military anymore. You're still military though, right? Yeah. And do you know I how think, much longer you'll be yeah. in it? Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> my husband <laughs> You're is like the... <laughs> in it for the long haul. He okay. um, just signed on for, or actually it was a year ago. <laughs> he signed on for, I think, nine more years at this point. So he will oh, probably do... Health. The full time. Okay. We have a little while longer. (laughs) Yeah. So that's where you and I are different. Is your husband an officer? Yes. Okay. So my my husband signed up. He was enlisted. So we probably have a little bit of different experiences. Mm -hmm. But um, I just think it's really important to talk about military spouses most of the time. You know, I don't want to say most of the time. In my experience, most of the time it's women who are the dependent of the military spouse, right? And I feel like there's so many times over the four years that my husband was in that I felt like I was just so like, I don't want to say insignificant, but kind of like I felt like my career was kind of insignificant and didn't matter compared to his. Have you, do you see that as well? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it is, it definitely adds an interesting dynamic to your marriage because oh, their yes. job, <laughs> yeah, oh, their yes. job um, comes first, you know. Yes, um, before even you sometimes. Yes, exactly. And I'm not saying that my husband doesn't care about me and that I'm right. not part of those decisions, but right. there's definitely times where um, the job comes first. Um, so, yeah, I definitely see how you felt that way. Um, I definitely feel that way sometimes too. Um, <laughs> to validate that experience, um, it can be it can be rough for sure. Yeah, it definitely does. I like how you said there. It adds an extra layer to your marriage because it really does. I think when you go into a relationship, especially marriage, you're like mm-hmm. we're each other's number one, and then when you are military, you're not. And it's just what it is what it is. 
mm-hmm. you know, and it's like the alternative is they get in like really big trouble. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yep, exactly. I know. And then everyone tells you like, well, you knew what you were getting into. And you're like, I kind of knew, but you know, you don't know until right. you know. So. <laughs> no, you really don't. Like you, you could never really be prepared for those feelings <laughs> that happen sometimes. Yes. Yeah. Lots of big feelings, lots of, um, there, I will say military life has brought me some of the highest highs or military spouse life. Sorry. I don't want to take away from, um, anyone who's active duty military, but military spouse life has definitely brought me some of the highest highs and and some of the lowest lows. So it's an experience. (laughs) It really is. It's, it really is true. I feel like sometimes I feel bad because I really wanted to be positive about it. And towards the end, I just, was really glad the f- that we only did a four-year contract. And I say we, because I, even though kind of like you said, I don't want to take away from people who are actively serving. Like I could never understand that because I haven't done it, but you're like the support and you go everywhere they go. I mean, unless obviously they're deployed, but most of the times you just are kind of told where to go as well, even though you're not on the contract. So exactly. <laughs> a lot of the times I refer to it as our service. <laughs> understandable um yeah in some ways it definitely is you know they um they tell you where to move it they tell you how long you're going to be somewhere it can affect um you know your ability to work it affects your ability to have child care and all of the all of those decisions and the military tries to support you in a lot of ways but they're also just things that they can't do so yeah absolutely um, yeah so one of the reasons I wanted to bring Megan on today is first off, she's a dietitian, And I really want to talk about that because I feel like Megan has a really, I don't want to say unique because I feel like this should just be the approach, but I feel like you kind of do have a more unique and modern look at, I don't know what the word is, diet, like being a dietitian. I don't know what the <laughs> verb is for that. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, um, I get what you're saying. I definitely have, um, kind of an alternative view to nutrition and how to approach, um, your diet and living a healthier life. Yeah. So what I want to start first with Megan, I'd love to start with what made you get into this? What attracted, um, what, what about this field attracted you to it? (laughs) This is a great story. So, um, (laughs) I was one of those people in college that everybody makes fun of because they changed their major, you know, like um, it's going out of style. So (laughs) I started out in psychology and I actually really love psychology still to this day, but I was like, I don't know that I can like um, handle other people's emotions like that. Like that's a lot to take on. Um, so I was like, cool. Okay. Well I'll just study business. Cause that seems like a safe way to go. Yeah. And then, um, I was in business school and I was surrounded by a bunch of people that I hated and, um, no offense <laughs> if you met me at that time in my life, me. Um, <laughs> um, but, um, yeah. So I did that and then I was like, okay, yeah, this is not for me. Um, and I was like, what am I into? what do I, what feels almost like natural for me to move into? And I was like, okay, I, at that point in my life, I was like very into nutrition and very into exercising. And I looked at kinesiology and I was like, you know, um, I'm not (laughs) going to be like in the gym all the time. Let's be real. 
um, and nutrition kind of um, encompassed my love for science and for working with people. Uh, so that's how I got into it, really. <laughs> so I am trying to figure out how to word this. So I obviously go to I go to school for marketing very, very part time because I've been doing it for so long. And mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of the things I learn, I feel like are severely outdated. And I feel like most of my education comes from self-education. Do you feel the same way about being a dietitian? Like when you were in school, was it really outdated and you've kind of had to educate yourself or how does that work as a dietitian? For sure. Um, so I actually had a conversation with um, one of my employers about this one time because I was like, how does this happen? Like, how are we, you know, I just got out of school, but how does it feel like I'm so far behind on like what's actually happening in nutrition? And she gave me some great perspective on the fact that it takes 10 years for like research to make it into the new versions of textbooks. Yeah. So like, you're right. What we're learning is like 10 years behind. So yeah. um, <laughs> I definitely felt that way. I definitely got out of um, my undergrad thinking that, um, you know, nutrition is calories in calories out and you have to eat like the most healthy, perfect diet ever. <laughs> and I had this like horrible relationship with food still. Um, and was super lucky to come across, um, people on social media that had a different view than me. And it really just clicked with me. Some of the things about nutrition that I was like, I don't know about this, you know, like this doesn't make sense in my life and the people's lives that I see around me. Um, so yeah. And you're referring to like your education in undergrad, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I got lucky that I stumbled across um, some people who were more active in the research. Um, and I, I'm probably still behind, you know, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so I'm, I was very lucky in that way. Yeah. I always feel like school is just, I'm so cynical about it these days. I just feel like it's a business Yeah, because <laughs> it's, you know, it's kind of like you've said, and we've also talked about this in group coaching, like I feel like all of us feel more self-educated than anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, it, it, it's a little, um, it's a little infuriating when you realize how much money you've spent on it. <laughs> it is a little bit disheartening. I mean, there are probably skills like life skills that I got from going to college that right. I wouldn't have gotten otherwise. Um, but sometimes when I like look at my student loans, I'm like, should I have done this? Like, right. Should I have do pursued you, a different path? Do you have to go to school to be a dietitian? Yes. So in the end, I believe that I chose the right path, but, um, yeah, you have to have a four-year undergrad degree, um, and you have to now get a master's and then a 1200 hour internship and pass a national registration exam. And then like most industries, you have, um, your continuing education credits that you have to meet. So, yeah, yeah, that's, yep. Yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> that sounds like yeah, a lot yeah. of time. <laughs> yeah, it definitely is. So I want to talk, something else I want to talk about with you is, I know a lot of the people that listen to this podcast are women. I feel like they're more around our age who are going through having babies or deciding to have babies. And I feel like food can kind of be complicated in pregnancy. And after pregnancy, it's I feel like your relationship with your body can become complicated. I know it has for me. So what do you tell your clients who are either in pregnancy or out of pregnancy when they're working on 
figuring out what their relationship is with food at this new stage in their life? So during pregnancy, um, I think finding the right doctor, first of all, who will listen to you is one of the most important things that you can do. Mm -hmm. Um, because there are so many doctors out there, which I understand why, like this is what they're taught. Um, but you know, all they'll do is weigh you and then tell you what foods that you're not allowed to eat. And then like send you on your merry way. Yeah. You leave the office feeling like, Oh my God, like if I eat these foods, I'm going to kill my child and I'm going to be the worst mom ever, you know, like you're like, Oh my gosh, I gained five pounds. I'm the worst mother that there ever was. That's what you leave the office feeling. Yeah. Um, so I also want, I would like the record to show, I don't think I left the office one time feeling good about myself my entire pregnancy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Never. I feel like they never cared to make me feel okay. (laughs) Right. So I'm glad there's people like you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, that's, so I tell people like, um, find a doctor who, if that's a pain point for you, um, like, um, being weighed and talking about food, which it is for so many of us. Right. Um, I would tell them to, um, ask to not be weighed or to not have to see your weight. Yeah. Um, and tell them that you don't want to talk about your weight. Um, because you don't have to talk to them about your weight. Um, if they want to keep an eye on it just for measurements, that's fine. Um, so that they know, you know, like if there's different labs or something that they need to take, that's okay. But it doesn't necessarily need to be a hot topic of conversation every appointment that you're at. Um, So I, how would mm -hmm. you say, I want you to kind of like role play with me. How would you tell a client to say that to a doctor? Cause I feel like when you're pregnant, you're so vulnerable. And I feel yes. like I, I, there's so many, you're just so vulnerable. So how would you say that to a doctor? So I will say that usually whenever you're getting weighed, it's the medical assistant, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I might just tell them like, Hey, um, I don't want to be weighed today. Like you can tell the doctor if you want to. Um, and if they push back on it, which some will, um, I've definitely experienced that, <laughs> Um, I would say, okay, that's fine, but I, we're not talking about it and I'm going to, um, turn my back. Do not tell me what I weigh. Do not, um, you know, don't discuss it with me. And then, um, whenever you talk to your doctor about it, I would just be honest. Um, you know, if they're a good doctor, which most doctors are, you know, they care about you as their patients, um, or as their patient, (laughs) And they want what's best for you. Um, I would, I personally would just say like, Hey, um, you know, I really struggle with my weight and body image and us talking about it constantly has not been good for me. Um, and I'm working on my relationship with my body in this pregnancy. So I might gain more weight than what's recommended. You know, if that's not okay with you, I might seek care from somebody else. Um, and sometimes they'll be great about it and sometimes they won't be. And that's when it's time to find another practitioner. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I, I really appreciate that because, um, especially from your dietitian, you're obviously very experienced. I think it's important to know how to advocate for yourself in a doctor's office because you are, it is intimidating, right? Like the whole going to a doctor's office is very intimidating, And then on top of being pregnant and you're so vulnerable and you're in like the worst, I mean, for me, I was like the worst time in my life. I was so sick and high risk that kind of the last thing I wanted to talk about was my weight. I just felt like it was so, 
I don't know. I was like, I feel like I'm dying. Don't tell yes. me. I don't want to talk about like, my I, Yeah. Does that really matter? Is that really what we're concerned about right now? Right. Um, no, I definitely, I definitely agree with you. So Megan, when you, after you have your baby, what is your advice to your clients um, or to your audience? How to, I guess, accept your postpartum body? Yeah, this is so hard for people, um, especially because I remember um, I had a baby in February of 2020. And yes, I remember, our babies are two months apart. Yes, yeah. Um, I remember getting targeted Facebook ads for like belly bands, um, yes. not for which belly bands can be great for like supporting you, um, especially after a C-section. But they weren't advertising it for that. They were advertising it for getting your belly back in place after giving birth um, and weight loss. And I was getting advertisements for wraps, you know, like um, those wraps that you can put on your body and they yeah. claim will help you lose weight. Um, Which is so, a lie, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, no, all yeah. of it. Um, the belly bands won't help you lose weight. The belly bands won't help um, your muscles and stomach like shrink or something. Um, so yeah, it's all lies. Um, and it's so frustrating to get all of that information when you're in, again, such a vulnerable spot, especially after your first child, which I don't have a second child, so I don't know what that experience is like, Yeah. but, um, you know, with your first child going from zero to one, when you don't know what it's like at all is so hard, um, you know, to, figure out who this new person is that you are. And then, you know, I remember looking in the mirror sometimes and being like, I don't know this person, you know, like she is tired. She is like this weird gray color (laughs) and um, she hasn't gotten her hair done in a long time. Like who is this woman standing in front of the mirror looking back at me? Um, So all of that to say, my biggest piece of advice is to go into it knowing that things are going to change and change is hard. Um, But knowing that it's going to change, accepting that it's going to change and giving it time um, is the most important thing that you can do. Um, The other thing that I always recommend too is just go ahead and work with a therapist. Like your hormones and everything are so wonky and make it so hard to, um, you know, kind of stay grounded um, in that. And I also find that um, body image issues, especially immediately after having a baby, are sometimes related more to that, you know, to the um, overwhelming change that's happened than necessarily what your body looks like. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, do, you ever feel like, do you ever feel like on your second pregnancy, there's like 50 things you're going to do different than your first one? <laughs> Oh, hundred percent. I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to have a doula. I'm going to, (laughs) I'm going to do this and that. (laughs) I had like a fully medicated birth with my first one. And I am very pro medication because I am not someone who handles pain well, like at all. But after my first one, I was like, maybe I should consider like a natural birth. Like maybe I could do that. (laughs) Maybe that's for me, you know? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I, I doubt that will happen, <laughs> but it does. It makes you rethink everything. Like I just want it. You almost want it to be the polar opposite of the first one, just because the first one is so, or for me, it was so high stressed. 
Right. Um, it's very jarring to all of a sudden. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Changing, you're like growing something. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, but to finish answering your original question about what advice. So definitely accept that there's going to be change. Definitely work with the therapist. And my last piece of advice is don't go on a diet or start exercising too soon. Um, because honestly, it just makes it harder. Um, you know, if you're breastfeeding, you have to be eating enough to breastfeed or else that makes breastfeeding stressful because you're not producing enough and you have to deal with that. Um, and then if you're exercising too soon, like before your body is healed, you can get some pretty bad injuries that will not be fun to deal with down the line. Um, so, you know, Except that there's going to be change and give it a little bit of time. Yeah. Um, I feel like also when, I mean, you tell me, you're the one who has experience, but do you feel like women will also try and go on diets or exercise too much when they're pregnant? Do you see that as well? I do occasionally, yeah. Like some people will go on super restrictive diets when they're pregnant um, because you know, you're kind of scared to eat anything <laughs> whenever they give you that list of foods, right? Yeah. Um, and, you know, all the articles are like, you can only eat the healthiest foods to help your baby. Um, and some people I do feel like, especially with if they already have like a disordered eating history, um, don't eat enough and aren't getting enough weight, which does lead to health risks for you and baby as um, time goes on. And I'm not saying that to like scare anybody, but just to kind of put it into perspective that there's, there's definitely a balance. Like you definitely still need to eat. You still can eat foods that, um, are not on like the healthiest foods of all time list. Um, and you do, you do need to gain weight during your pregnancy. So yeah, it's totally normal. Yes, exactly. So something else I just was thinking is I want you to debunk the, um, BMI, whatever BMI is, because I hear that this is not true. Yeah. So um, there are a couple parts that are really infuriating about BMI. Um, where to start? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think what surprises most people is that it was actually created in the 1800s, I believe, to um, just categorize people, like categorize um, the sizes of men. So it wasn't ever intended to be used as a health marker. Um, But insurance companies started to use it in a kind of fat phobic way to, or actually I shouldn't say kind of fat phobic, in a very fat phobic way to um, deny people health insurance if they were over a certain BMI. Oh, um, I did not know that happened. Yeah. Does that um, continue to happen? Yeah, people can get denied um, coverage for certain services or access to certain services because of their BMI. Um, which oh is Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, which is one of the most infuriating things to me um, about how we practice medicine today. And I, I see so many people who are trying to make a positive change in this field. Um, and so I'm hopeful for the future, but it really pisses me off, to be honest. Yeah. That's, um, that's insane. That's so fat phobic. Like, yeah. <laughs> so you can't even get around that. Yeah, exactly. And then um, one of the other big uh, 
red flags, I guess, is that whenever they were coming up with the BMI categories, this, I believe it was in the late 90s. I haven't refreshed myself on this material in a long time. So uh, if I mess something up, I'll come back and <laughs> let you guys know later. But sure. Um, so it was like in the late 90s, there was this board for, I think it was the WHO, um, deciding what the categories of BMI were. Um, and if you're familiar with BMI at all, there's underweight, normal, overweight, and then obese. Um, and research actually shows that people in the overweight category, which I'm not going to say the numbers because I don't, um, I think BMI is so triggering for people that I don't want to get into it. Um, but people in the overweight category actually live longer than people in the normal weight and underweight category. The reason why it was, um, the range was chosen for the overweight category is because some of the people on the board for the WHO, like BMI thing, <laughs> um, were actually in the weight loss uh, pharmacy industry. So they were getting money from the fact that they could call these people overweight and prescribe them medications or <laughs> oh um, yeah, uh, medications or other medical um, procedures to help them lose weight. So yeah, BMI is bullshit. Oh <laughs> we need to get rid of it. Oh my gosh. It's crazy. Cause I feel like I'm happy that there are people like you in this industry, but I feel like the industry overall, not maybe not overall. And like, give me your opinion. I'm not in it like you are, but I feel like it is very fat phobic and even racist. Yeah. Um, actually you would probably have a better idea of what it looks like than I do because I'm so deep into um, like the intuitive eating and health at every size, anti-diet, like corner of the nutrition world that I forget that um, there are others who are not in that corner. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Like that's who I've surrounded myself with. um, And don't get me wrong. I'll listen to other people's opinions um, and read their research, whatever, whatever. But to me, it still seems like the majority are on my side when I know that, um, to the public, that's not actually what it seems like. Yeah. No, it's not. I feel like to the public, it's not. But, you know, I'm glad people who are in it are trying to make changes because obviously it needs to be updated. Yes, it definitely does. Um, well, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no. You're fine. You're fine. Um, I was going to say one of my hopes is that um, there's actually a group here in Las Vegas that is health at every size aligned. And we're really trying to um, educate some of the medical professionals around here um, so that there will be more, uh, I guess, safe providers for people living in larger bodies and yeah. for people not living in larger bodies too, you know? Yeah. So I, what does health at every size mean? Um, health at every size is really an anti-fat phobia movement, I guess would be the easiest way to explain it. Okay. Um, it's looking at the research about like BMI and health and weight and health and really disproving a lot of the things that um, we have assumed about our body weight for so long. Um, and what it shows us or the main philosophy is that you can be healthy at any size. Um, health promoting behaviors still help your health, whether or not you lose weight or gain weight or stay the same weight, no matter what your body size is. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's so that's awesome. What, 
Yeah. I, I just, something I like about it is I feel like there's so much shame around weight. And I feel like that is, that movement is trying to take the shame out of it. Yes, definitely. Okay. Um, Love that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So what is, I, I know what this is, but I would love from your perspective to hear what intuitive eating is and how or why someone might choose to do that. So intuitive eating is really just a framework for eating um, by listening to your own body. Um, we, so the reasons why someone might choose to do that are, you know, people our age grew up with like a very thin ideal um you know oh in the my media. gosh yeah yes <laughs> right like, I remember them calling Hillary Duff fat yes which is, is ridiculous yeah <laughs> Hillary Duff and Jessica Simpson were so fat or even Drew Barrymore and yeah. those are not fat women <laughs> yeah like at all but that was what was portrayed to us in the media yeah and there were no fat people in no. um, you know any tv shows fat suits were horrible um and still are, but, you know, like put an actual fat person in your TV show instead of doing a poor portrayal of what a fat person looks like. Right. Um, and it feels like they're, it almost feels patronizing as well. Like they're trying yeah. to make fun of it, I guess. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Definitely. So yeah, we grew up in this like super fat phobic, thin ideal um, culture. And now all of us are dealing with repercussions, right? Um, like so many people that I talk to are afraid to eat um, any group of food, you know, fruits, vegetables, meats, um, dairy, uh, grains, like there's nothing left to eat at this point because they've made us afraid of everything. And they've made us so afraid of being a, in a certain body size that, um, you know, we don't know how to eat anymore. <laughs> So the whole point of intuitive eating is to really get you back in touch with your more um, or your internal cues of hunger and fullness um, and eat. And, you know, once you're able to start getting back into that, your body really does tell you like what to eat, what it wants, when it wants it. Um, just like many of your other bodily functions, like, um, you know, when you have to pee, you're not going to hold it forever and ever and ever because yeah. somebody told you not to pee for so many hours, right? Right. Um, so it's the same thing with food. So it really helps you so that you're not afraid to eat anymore, which um, might sound silly, but I think, or I meet people every day who are struggling with it. And yeah, it can I also actually help don't you. think that sounds silly at all. I really oh, don't. Good. <laughs> I think good. it's very I'm glad. serious. <laughs> yeah. No, it is. It is definitely serious. Um I guess for people who haven't dealt with it, they're like, what the heck? Like, does that really happen? But it truly does. Like, I know so many people who are struggling with this. Um, and, you know, I have struggled with it in the past. That's kind of how I got into this. Um, but it also can help you um, with your other health habits once you um, start to feel more comfortable and confident in your body, you know. People who eat intuitively actually have better health markers. They tend to work out more. They eat a wider variety of foods. Um, and they tend to have a better body image too. So there are really a lot of great benefits to eating more intuitively um, than we would see from like a typical diet. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate you sharing that with us. And you talk about this on your social media, right? Yes. Yeah, I do. 
So if someone wanted to learn more, they would be able to find that pretty easily, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. I hope so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I talk about it on my, uh, yeah, I talk about it on my blog a little bit. Um, so yeah, they can definitely find information about it. Perfect. And then Megan, what are you working on right now and how can people work with you? So right now, um, my only service that I'm offering is when I'm, yeah, one-on-one coaching and counseling, uh, mostly for people here in Las Vegas. But coming up this summer, I will be relaunching my um, Love Your Body course, which Yay! teaches you, yeah, which teaches you a lot of the skills of intuitive eating and um, body acceptance or improving your body image. Um, so we'll be relaunching that, and then. I'm hoping that by the fall, I will have a membership aspect to my website. So I'm working on that right now. That is so amazing. And I haven't, I didn't know you were doing that. That makes me so excited. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I'm pumped. Um, Oh, that is awesome. Yeah. Thank you. I feel like memberships and subscriptions are the way to go right now. Yeah, no, that's, that's what I was thinking too. Like that's what um, I'm being pulled to with people. Um, so I'm excited to be able to offer that to my clients as well. Yeah, that's awesome. I sometimes think of doing something like that. I just haven't quite thought of it yet. So you should we'll do it hundred <laughs> percent. Well, thank you. I yeah, I would join. <laughs> I know you're the best. You really are. And then Megan, where can everyone find you? Um, so probably the best place to find me is on Instagram. I'm at Meg, M-E-G dot Boz, B-O-S dot R-D, as in registered dietitian. Um, and then my website is BosworthNutritionConcepts.com. Perfect. So make sure to go check Megan out. She is so awesome. One of my favorite clients. I mean, I'll, I, they, they all are my favorite, but you really are. I really enjoy our time together. So Go follow Megan and make sure to like, subscribe, share this, and I'll talk to you next week.